Today's Cloudcast is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly public cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and more. From predictable pricing to flexible configurations to world-class support, you'll get access to all the infrastructure services you need to grow. Plus, DigitalOcean's community provides over 2,000 tutorials to help you stay up to date with the latest open source software, languages, and frameworks. So get started today on DigitalOcean with a free $100 credit at do.co slash cloudcast. That's do.co slash cloudcast. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. It is a beautiful sunny day here. Things are starting to warm up. The spring is starting to become part of regular life, and it's good to be back with everybody. Let's go ahead and jump into the cloud news of the week, because there was a number of events both last week and this week that created some news that are worth taking a look at. Uh, Last week, there were both the DockerCon event and the Open Infrastructure Summit, which previously was the OpenStack Summit. Um... Unfortunately, both of those shows tend to be sort of slowing down in terms of attendance. Uh, I think what we've seen is the buzz around both of those shows um, has begun to really pick up and move over to the KubeCon Kubernetes-centric show. So KubeCon, which will be in Barcelona here in a few weeks. Um, Docker did announce the announcement of Docker Enterprise 3.0, which includes, um, you know, updates to Docker Enterprise, Docker application, which is based on a new framework that is based on a project called CNAP, uh, CNAB. Excuse me. Uh, they announced Docker Kubernetes service. So Docker has really sort of fully shifted away from Swarm. Swarm is still a supported thing, but shifting more and more to their focus on Kubernetes, which is really, again, where that trend in the industry is moving away from kind of proprietary uh, or non-Kubernetes container-centric technologies over to uh, container-centric technologies. The other thing, uh, the announcements from this week, uh, events this week, probably the the two that are going on, we're going to hit on one of them. Both Red Hat Summit is happening this week, as well as Microsoft Build. We'll cover the Microsoft Build announcements next week. Um, so big news out of the Red Hat Summit uh, from a Red Hat perspective. A couple of things, especially around OpenShift, do we talk about uh, cloud technologies or Kubernetes technologies? Uh, Red Hat OpenShift 4 G8, uh, this was really bringing together uh, the OpenShift technologies as well as the CoreOS technologies. Um, all of those Kubernetes technologies came together, um, a lot around automation, around immutable infrastructure, uh, bringing together um, uh, service mesh technology, Istio technology, uh, K-native serverless technology, now part of OpenShift, uh, as well as a number of other technologies to help improve the developer experience. So that was a big announcement at Red Hat Summit. The other one was the GA of a fully managed partnership, uh, fully managed service between Microsoft Azure and Red Hat. So the Azure Red Hat OpenShift service is now uh, GA'd and available through Azure. So this essentially makes OpenShift a native service on top of Azure, uh, part of Azure, jointly managed by Microsoft and uh, and Red Hat. So those were sort of the big announcements from a cloud perspective that came out of Red Hat Summit. Like I said, we will cover some of the announcements for Microsoft Build, uh, both in the show notes this week, but also in subsequent shows, because there will be a number of things there. So with that, we're going to wrap up our cloud news of the week. We're going to get to our final show in the 300s. This is show 399. We will be having an entire series around sort of us hitting the 400 milestone. Uh, very, very excited about those, but also want to, again, thank our sponsors, both Snowflake and DigitalOcean for being sponsors of the show. Uh, really appreciate them being on board. And with that, let's get to our interview. Today's show is sponsored by Snowflake, the only data warehouse built for the cloud. 
Today, organizations need the agility that rapid data insights bring to stay a step ahead of the competition. With Snowflake, you can instantly and infinitely scale your data warehouse with the touch of a button, delivering deep insights at any time for all your users. So start your journey today towards data-driven decision-making by going to snowflake.com slash cloudcast. That's snowflake.com slash cloudcast. And we're back. Good to be back with everybody today. You know, folks, a lot of you know we're going to be hitting on uh, our 400th episode here in a couple of weeks or so. And uh, before that, you know, we wanted to make sure before we kind of dove back into a little bit of a time machine, a little bit of, of looking back at the show, we wanted to make sure that we could, you know, hit on some new stuff before we get to that. So one of the things that we're, we've always been focused on, at least for the last couple of years, is there's been a lot of trends happening around trying to make developers more productive, trying to make platforms for developers simpler. Uh, we've seen a lot of trends um, kind of emerge and some have grown and some have shrunk. And um, so we're always looking for that next company, that next technology that hopefully is going to make things easier for developers and, and expand the pool of developers that can, that can make cool applications and change businesses. So I wanted to introduce you to a new company today. So we'll get a really cool chance to talk to uh, Matthew Krieger, who is co-founder and VP of developer relations at Manifold. Matthew, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. And congratulations on 400 episodes. That's huge. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. So, you know, before we dive into Manifold, uh, you've been around this space for a little while. Um, Why don't you give folks a little bit of of your background uh, about what you were doing prior to Manifold, and then maybe give us a sense of, you know, why you guys decided to go start the company and and, and be in in this space of trying to help developers be more productive. Oh, boy. Okay. So how far should I rewind? (laughs) Oh, Um, so maybe I'll start. Maybe I'll start with BlackBerry. So I was I was uh, I was fresh um, into my software engineering career, and I, I I was very excited to join this Canadian tech legend, the inventor of the <laughs> inventor of the the smartphone. Um, at least that's how we credit it in, in Canada. I'm not sure how people talk about it uh, here in the states. Yeah. Um, but uh, but the thing that I kept on being frustrated with there was just how long it took to get a new piece of technology added to the stack that we were using. Um, there was, you know, it took, it took weeks to get a VM provision. And if you wanted to bring, um, something in a managed service in from the outside, then you were going through legal and you were talking months. Um, I, I was really excited about this tool called, uh, Node.js, which now everybody knows about, but at the time it was brand new. And, um, I was actually trying to get that. I wanted to use it internally. I wanted to use it as a way to deal with, um, real time data processing. And uh, there was only one company at the time using it in production, and that company happened to be in health in my hometown of Halifax, Nova Scotia. And they were they were they were organizing a hackathon, and um, I showed up and participated in the hackathon. I didn't win the hackathon, but I did. But I did end up joining them at GoInstant. GoInstant was a, a developer tool focused on um, real-time data streaming. You know, it was kind of the first classic use case of Node.js, and it was the first platform I'd worked on that was really focused on bringing developers a, an API. Um, I wrote, I accidentally, I'd like to say I accidentally wrote one successful library, ended up um, hitting the talk track and I kind of stumbled into developer relations as the only person, as the only person on the team that seemed to have any interest in it. Um, we were acquired by Salesforce. And as a result, I ended up um, joining Heroku moving to San Francisco and joining Heroku and building the, the developer relations team there. Um, through that process, I, I kind of discovered, 
I honestly, they were focused on the enterprise and I, I understood the enterprise and um, enterprise use cases. I'd spent time as an enterprise um, software engineer, but I fell in love with the Heroku add-ons ecosystem. I just love the, the the community of people that were building tools for developers. Obviously, that was near and dear to my heart because I just spent spent some time doing it. And, um, you know, that that's, that's, that's the part of Heroku that... I felt most attached to. There was new trends popping up. Things like serverless and microservices were going mainstream. And as developers started to look for um, platforms that supported those architectures natively, they'd lament leaving the add-ons ecosystem behind. Like that was the thing that they would miss. And I just didn't feel, I, I felt like they shouldn't have to choose. They shouldn't have to choose between a platform that made it easy to adopt the architecture, their architecture of choice, and using cloud services that made them happy and productive. Um, and that wasn't just happening at, at Heroku, you know, that was, that was happening at AWS. AWS has cloud services that you can't find anywhere else. Azure has cloud services that you can't find anywhere else. There's massive independent cloud services that are more difficult to adopt if you're on a platform like AWS. And I, I just, you know, I think we started Manif we started Manifold because we wanted to tear down those walls. We wanted to make it easy for developers to adopt those services, regardless of where they were building their applications. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that's kind of how we got there. Yeah. At, least, at least that's how I got there. If you ask my CEO, it's because he, we had to hand the keys over to Salesforce and he couldn't believe that they were, he didn't know who had signed up for which accounts and where the credentials were. And uh, he couldn't believe there was no way to centralize um, configuration management. Right, right. Yeah, no, and I want to, I want to touch on all those things. For us, it's always cool to find, um, you know, founders of companies who, essentially kind of lived with the problem, you know, lived with the problem, started to build some things and said, you know, this, this is, I, I think this is a common problem that other people have. I think there's people that if we delivered something that solved this problem that you toiled over for a while, you know, we think there's markets for that there. So, so to me, that's always a, a very cool starting point for, uh, for where companies get started versus just saying, well, you know, uh, I spun out of a VC, we kind of saw a market. So we just thought we would build some technology. So, you know, the pain tends to build interesting, uh, interesting outcomes. Um, yeah. And at yeah. the same time, you had this huge ecosystem with Node.js, the, the NPM community. You had this huge package ecosystem that was literally just exploding. They had a huge number of packages. You could find a package for anything. And I was expecting that the ecosystem of cloud services to explode in the same way. And I couldn't figure out why it just wasn't happening. And so that was like, we were passionate about, about helping companies like reach developer communities and helping developer communities identify these, these trending new services and adopt them. Right. Yeah. It was definitely yeah. a problem we were passionate about. Yeah, no, that's very cool. I, you know, I always say there's, there's sort of one truth I know about developers and that it's, they would like things to be simpler. You know, they would like certain things to just get taken care of for them, you know, and then you dig into that a little bit and you go, okay, I don't know if there's any other sort of universal truths. Like they, they want things the way they want them and, and they want to do things certain ways. I, I look at Manifold and sometimes I, my, my analyst brain kind of kicks in and I go, okay, what, what is this thing? Like I get what it does, but it feels to me to a certain extent like there's part of it that feels a little bit like the low code sort of phenomenon, like you're making it simpler to integrate services. There's part of it that feels a little bit like PaaS, you know, you push code and it just runs. <laughs> yeah. um, it, you know, there's part of it that feels like, hey, you've, you've simplified CI and CD. Like, Am I making a mistake looking at it through all these sort of defined lenses and not looking at it, like you said, just going, the thing I want is I want development to be simple. I want deployment to be simple. And I don't want to be bound to sort of like specific cloud world. Is that a better way to maybe think about how you guys have, have built this together? 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's so okay. So to your first point, that echoes of something that um, Isaac uh, Schluter said to me pretty recently, the creator of NPM. He said that um, if if they want to introduce a new feature and they add in two commands what they could have accomplished in one command, nobody will adopt it. No one will use it. <laughs> that's like even even one too many commands is just too many commands to get to get mass adoption. So I think that is yeah. Developers want simple. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, if I had one 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 thing that I would say is true, I think that is that developers will find a better way to do things, and they'll find it pretty soon, like sooner than you expect them to. Right. Um, and then it's about how easily how easy it is. So they stumble across a new architecture, platform, or tool, and then it's how quickly can they adopt it, and what's it going to cost in terms of effort and dollars. Um, but so to your question, like where does where does Manifold fit in in the world of PaaS um, and low code? Um, yeah, I think that's actually a pretty that's a pretty that's a pretty great intersection. That's a pretty great great intersection. Uh, it's a pretty wonderful place to be, I think. Um, yeah, and I and I and I, and I, and I say that like sometimes like I I realize there's times and I've I've worked with a whole bunch of companies that have kind of gotten started and they go. Yeah, you know, there's a part of you that goes, well, you know, what what are you like? Because people kind of do comparative things, and then people will go like, we're not really like anything else because they did certain, they made certain choices or they had certain constraints, and we sort of unlock those things. So, you know, don't put us into a bucket. So that was kind of my my thinking was like, am I making a mistake trying to trying to define something that people know because maybe this isn't intended to to go down that path. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's true. Because so, okay, here's, I, I think here's sort of how I look at it. Now you've got, you've got a, um, a platform like Heroku, which makes it really easy for developers to get an application up and running. But then you've got a technology like Kubernetes, that makes building platforms like Heroku much simpler. And so I think, you know, we're going to start to see platforms that are really tailored to specific use cases. And and I mean, that's already happening. You look at something like uh, Netlify that makes it really easy to deploy static applications and yep. connect them to GitHub and then spin up um, you know, previews of, of your of your static apps. Why shouldn't we be able to use a composition of these platforms? You know, why shouldn't we be able to use Netlify for our static applications and and something like IronIO or Prefab to do um, worker background workers and then uh, have have some core infrastructure running on DigitalOcean or Azure or AWS. Like we should be able to use the best tools for the job, and we should we, we shouldn't then, as a result of making those decisions, be limited in our choice of of managed services. If if this was happening in the open source ecosystem, if if um, picking picking a particular uh, framework meant that you couldn't you couldn't get access to NPM's entire package ecosystem, we just wouldn't stand for it. But when it happens in cloud services and managed services. For some reason, we just accept it, and I don't think that we should. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, 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 I like, think. Yeah, yeah, and I like I like that I like that premise. It's it's like you. I mean, it it goes back to the the thing that you said. Like engineers will find ways, um, you know, to get around friction, to get around problems, and so forth. And and you know, at the end of the day, all these all these services out in the cloud have an API. I mean, it's intended to somebody to. To program against it to link things together. So yeah, I I, I don't uh, I, I don't think there's necessarily a need to, to justify why you're trying to do it. It makes a lot of sense to me. We're developers are are, are really good at lifting each other up. You know, we agree on stand, standards. It makes it possible for us to for you to build an application and for me to leverage what you build to make the application I'm better and vice versa. And that just compounds over the entire ecosystem. And it means that today we can do in ten minutes what what five years ago would have taken an entire team weeks and then would have had significant operational overhead. Yeah, yeah. And 
where like so where where is that friction i think the friction really happens in in two places it's you know there's this entire new workflow that's developed around evaluating the tools and services that we want to bring into our application and you know if you want to bring a package in you you npm install it or you like depending on what language you're in and then you can experiment with it. But with a cloud service, you've got to go set up an account. You've got to go and add a credit card because they probably, if it's sending text messages or sending email, then they're probably experiencing fraud. So they've got to gate you at least a little bit. Then you've got to go and read through their documentation. And then finally, you've got to install a package and, and spin up a sandbox so that you can play with it. And then you've got to go and get credentials you can use in, in production. And it's just, it's like, it's no wonder that there isn't um, a greater adoption of cloud services. And if you, if you like flip the script a little bit and you step into the, the world, the, the world of a, um, of a, of a provider, of a tool provider that is trying to reach developers. Well, now they've got all of these fragmented communities. You know, they want to reach each language community and each language community and framework community has its own, it has its own approach. It has, it has its own flavor. Yeah. And they have to be able to speak authentically to each of these communities. They have to be able to build great clients or agents and they have to be able to create documentation that makes sense to that audience. And so there's like, it, there's a mountain, a mountain they have to climb before they can actually get their tool into the hands of developers and get feedback on it and whether it's useful or not, and then start iterating on it. And we just like, we have to just knock all those walls down and make it really simple for developers to adopt a new tool and inject it into a workflow, experiment with it and decide whether it's the right tool for them and then to take it through staging and production. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's, that's our job. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, you and I have been talking about kind of the, the problem space and a little bit of like classifying it. We really haven't dug in very much of, what Manifold does. And I think the thing that drew me to it, which which I thought was very interesting, one is, um, you know, you, you take a, a set of developers, like you said, they they have something in mind as to what they want to build. You guys make it really easy to go, oh, you want a, you want a database as a service, you need a queue, you need some compute resources. Like, you know, essentially think about all the, you know, a, 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 a chunk of the, the cloud services that are out there. You guys just make those look like things that you can just kind of go a la carte, get and integrate. And then the other thing that really I liked about it was this idea that it won't just be one developer, it, it'll be teams of people, and you've got to be able to to create sort of a collaboration environment around it, like you said, to share common projects or share uh, billing, you know, billing keys and so forth. Like, I, talk a little bit about just what's the what's the experience that people have with with Manifold. Yeah. So to your first point, like we actually we actually started with a workflow that was really tailored to a, a single developer. And the feedback, um, and that was that was really about us putting together a quick MVP. And the feedback was like, well, I'm the the, the friction points are, are really around how I share this with the rest of my team. So if you're if you're a developer and using Manifold today, yeah, you're you're going to do exactly what you described. You're going to decide you want a database or you want an APM. Uh, you want to send email, so you grab Mailgun, and you you get this uniform view of what these services look like and how much they cost. So that's the that's the first kind of key point is we smooth out the discovery process. You can just compare them and decide which makes the most sense for you. We tell you which which languages they support, and we help you find their documentation, and we kind of just give you a, a uniform view of the product itself. And then we we make it really easy to get up and running. So you click one button, and now you've provisioned I don't know a free a free instance of Mailgun. You've got a set of credentials, and you've got an, a link that you can click that will take you right into Mailgun's dashboard. And um, as maybe you experiment with it, you decide yeah this is the right tool for you. And so you decide you're going to take it into staging and production and deliver it to the rest of your team. So you provision another instance of Mailgun. This one is designed for production. It's costing you a little bit more each month. And you add other people to the project that contains Mailgun and all your other services. And now that's all they need to go and 
to use Mailgun in development, to to uh, make sure that it's working in production, to get from the project into the actual dashboard for Mailgun. And at the end of the month, you get one bill with all of the services associated with that project. So you're not trying to figure out which services are being used where and how much you're paying for them. Right, right. And, and that second part really, like you said, kind of touches on your, your other co-founder, your CEO's uh, you know, pain point, which is like, how do I figure out who's paying for all this stuff? And how do I, you know, make sure if we put a credit card against it, it's got enough, you know, enough of balance to be able to deal with stuff. Um, yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah, it's a small thing that's yeah. really annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and I, and I can imagine, like you said, as you went from kind of the initial approach of single developer to this group thing, you know, people start to realize, um, you know, when, when there's not kind of transparency or obvious communication between groups, a lot of stuff gets done multiple times. You get overlap between things. You're not necessarily learning between groups. It, it feels like the the more group-centric, kind of collaborative-centric shared thing is going to reduce a lot of that just doing things over and over again. I didn't know somebody was doing this. I, I didn't, you know, like, oh, how, how did you set that thing up? Like, it feels like that becomes much more visible and transparent between teams. Yeah, and the, 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 the small part of that experience that we've all suffered through is you add a new person to your team, they pull down the repo and they try to run the application and it doesn't work. It tells you that it's a missing configuration. And then you try to track down whoever it is that's going to set you up with your database credentials or set you up with your mailgun credentials or set you up with your APM credentials in development. Like we've all had that experience and it's, it's so much easier when you pull down the repo and not only are the packages that you need installed, but all the configuration is made available for that environment. And then when you when you when something happens in staging or production, you don't have to try to figure out where to look. You know that it's all going to be in one place. You're going to go there and you're going to go through the tools and figure out which one you need to diagnose and jump into that dashboard. Yeah. Um, Help me understand a little bit. It wasn't completely clear to me. Is is Manifold software that that teams are going to download themselves and, and it'll help kind of connect the dots or is it a SaaS service or is it some combination of both? So, yeah, it's a combination of both because it really depends what tooling you're using today. So if you're on a like we tend to be on the two extremes uh, in use in terms of use case. So we end up in startups that are small. And in some cases, you know, they'll just provision services. They'll uh, decrypt and copy their credentials right out of the dashboard and then put them, you know, do it the old fashioned way and put them in a in a dot end file or something. Um, And that's that's fine. You know, when you're small, maybe that's the simplest workflow. On the other side of the extreme, um, you've got large, you have have small teams inside of large companies who are managing a ton of different services. Some of them are, some of them are, they're buying through Manifold and some of them, they're just, they're adding configuration. We support generic configuration as well as cloud service configuration. And in the second case, you're probably using something like Kubernetes or Terraform to define your infrastructure and code. And we just make it simple for you to, like with Kubernetes, we have a a CRD, so it it feels native. You were able to describe managed services the same way you would your local services. With Terraform, we have a provider. So you're able to just make sure that the secrets you need to use those services are injected into the appropriate environments and you don't have, you get to use the tools you're already using. Right, right. Yeah, and that that piece was interesting because it was, um, you you know, like you mentioned, like you could deploy it to things that are, again, then well-known, say, by, like, operations team, but you don't care. It could be Kubernetes. It could be Terraform on top of AWS or, or DigitalOcean or something like that. So that, that is very, very cool. Um, and if, you're, if, you're, if, you, if you don't want – if you just need a generic CI, CD workflow, then we just have a command line tool that you can plug in, and it'll inject credentials just using a token. Yeah. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Help me understand there's, there's some uh, – as I was looking through it, obviously there's kind of – as we see with a lot of models, there's a – 
uh, kind of community or, or sort of free set of tools that are available. And then there's enterprise edition. But there's there's kind of this talk about, hey, certain things are free. We work. We want to expose, you know, the best services. Help me understand if I'm a if I'm a user or, or a customer, like what what is sort of the business model um, and what's the maybe the relationship that you guys have with these partner companies that you expose? Yeah, it, honestly, it's it's really simple. We just take a percentage of subscriptions that are set up through Manifold. Okay, cool. And Easy. yeah, and that that makes that kind of ties our own success to the success of partners on the platform. Um, and it means the developers aren't paying for any of the tools they use through Manifold. Gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. Um, so let me ask you one last question because this has been has been interesting, and I you know I hope folks are kind of getting exposed to you know what can happen when things become simpler. Uh, any good examples of of companies, whether they're like you said, one of the startups on the startup end or or bigger company end, just examples of kind of things they've done or feedback they've given you about how it's changed how they build applications or better collaborative. Oh man, there's a few. There's a few good examples. I'll, I'll, I'll go with one of my favorites. So I think uh, there's a company called Harbor that um, is taking on the construction space. So they they help um, contractors bring in um, people who are going to work on the site. So if you need to bring in a plumber, they let you hire a plumber through the platform. It, it, honestly, it's it's kind of a marketplace yeah. uh, for for contractors. And um, one thing they talked about is that there's there's always so much consumer. All of their demand is driven by their their consumers. So consumers see a new cool piece of tech. So they see um, voice and voice and uh, video um, support built into an application, and they say, "Well, why can't we have that?" And the expectation is that Har- the company is called Harbor. The, the expectation is that Harbor just adds it to their platform. And what they've been able to do with Manifold is the moment somebody says something like, "Hey, we want we want voice and video." Can you set that up for us? Or we want to receive a text message when somebody shows up on our site, or we want to see we want to see a, an email summary of the progress of the work. That they're able to just very quickly introduce those services to their stack. And in, I mean, effectively, they're getting the request. They're going and evaluating the services. They're introducing it to their stack, and then they're offering it to their users within a few weeks. Which in the in the um, in the contractor space, it's just that level of innovation, that pace of innovation is just unheard of. So I feel like that's, yeah, that's the example I, I like to use. Yeah. No, I, I think construction is always an interesting example because I think to a certain extent, people just see things getting built and it's, you know, it's, it's building materials or whatever, and they forget it's, I mean, it's a massive supply chain. There are people that always want the latest stuff. Uh, there's a lot of technology that's possible to make that whole experience uh, much better and much better controlled and stuff. So yeah, those are always very, very cool examples to me. Yeah, and the, the cost of their mistakes are huge. You know, if yeah. they get the wrong person on the job or they make a mistake, it just it, it, it slows the whole project down for weeks and they end right. up, it costs them a fortune. Whereas if we make a mistake when we're building something, we just kind of scrub it, scrub it and start again. Right. And like you said, you know, they typically aren't, they're not optimized around, uh, around software developers. They're optimized around some other things and that's just part of what they do. So things have to be simple for them. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, very cool. Matthew, I appreciate the time. I, I, I hope folks enjoyed the introduction we had for Manifold today. I, I, uh, I know for myself, we're always looking for, you know, number one, you know, people that are passionate about it. They've, they've lived with the problems. They're building the technology. But number two, making things easier for the market, right? And with cloud being so explosive in terms of the number of services, uh, the things that you guys are doing, uh, you know, appear to be very, very powerful. So thank you for the time today. Um, if folks want to, you know, either reach out to you or learn more about Manifold, what are, what are the best places to kind of go or maybe events that you might be at coming up soon? 
Yeah, so um, I think that the event that we're at that's right around the corner. Well, we're going to be we're going to be at uh, DockerCon this week, so if you're there, say hello. Um, we're going to be at the at GoConf, both the Canadian and uh, US one. I think on the West Coast um, over the next couple of months. If you want to find me, you can find me at mattatmanifold.co. Um, and if you're if you're thinking about trying to turn the technology into a business and you're, you're struggling with figuring out how to do that, then like get in touch. We'd love to make this help this ecosystem grow. Um, and you can always find us at manifold.co online. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, listen, uh, you know, for folks, for, for Aaron and myself, uh, thank you, Matt, for being on today. We re- really, really appreciate it. Um, folks, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for rating the show on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. So with that, we'll wrap it up and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 